Wilson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic's great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wurzlow. Got it out to a oh. kick, kick smothered, check, Hunter. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? Kicks inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a player. Shake needs to be in perfect the the premiers of 1992. The 1994 premiers. Premiers. The 2018 AFL Premiership team. The West Coast Eagles. G'day everyone. Welcome to the Big Footy Eagles podcast. The Eagles completed a Coming up on the show, we'll recap that crucial victory over GWS. We'll talk finals footy in Perth and preview what could well be the game of the season, West Coast versus Richmond. I'm your host, Honey Badger 35 and joining me this week is Mr. KK. How are you going? I'm glad to be here. Yeah, getting to the real meat and potatoes of the season right now. It's all, uh, it's all getting very real very quickly for the Eagles. So a lot of stress. As I said, there's a big game on the horizon. But KK, you and I are not alone on the pod tonight. We are being joined once again, making a triumphant return to the podcast and uh, making a season debut of sorts. Please welcome to the show, Asterix the Gaul. How are you going? Very well, thanks for the invite and thanks for the welcome back, Cotter. Yeah, Asterix, it's, uh, it's been a while since we spoke to you. Listeners, I think, would have last heard you on our draft preview and recap and all of that. Just quickly off the top, general vibe for the season. How, how have you found things so far? It's been a real relief being able to go to the football on the weekend and it's, it's made me think this whole corona stuff's nothing um, <laughs> at times. It's, it's, it's just nice. Uh, been a great season. Eight games in a, eight wins in a row, and seven seven home far, seven home wins in a row. It's all pretty pretty good fun when you can go and enjoy it like that. And don't even mind the, the the club song when you when you're getting the sun on a. Well, it almost felt like a spring afternoon for a while there uh, on on Sunday. Yeah, certainly plenty to be happy about in the world of the Eagles right now. We will, of course, get into the Giants game shortly. We'll get into that Richmond game at the back end of the pod as well. But just quickly off the top, guys, in regards to the live commentary that we discussed last week and over the last few weeks, thank you very much to everyone who's got in contact. We've had lots of really nice feedback, nice messages, reviews, all sorts, people saying they'd be keen to hear it. So we will be doing live commentary for this Thursday's game between the Eagles and the Tigers. Now, basically the way it will work, the feed that you're listening to this podcast in now will not have the commentary live. So it will not just automatically populate on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, anything like that. Now, the trick to it will be follow our Twitter, follow our Facebook, at WCEBFpod, jump on Big Footy, see what we're posting there. We will post links. We will post them everywhere. We will scream them from the rooftops. You won't be able to miss it, but you do need to click a link to follow it through. And then basically from there, mute your TV, click the link, and listen to some biased, some hopefully informed, but yeah, definitely very pro-Eagles commentary coming your way on Thursday. Really hope to see everybody there. Hope you can come along for the ride and enjoy on Thursday night. But yeah, keep your eye out for that link and we'll see you then. Gents, on with the show. West Coast Eagles, nine goals, seven, 61, defeated GWS, seven, seven, 49. Another fast start for the Eagles in this one. It's turning into a bit of a trend, a very welcome one at that. If you tally up our quarter time score over the last two weeks... 
The Eagles have started 49-1 to at quarter time over the past few weeks. Asterix, it makes a nice change from some of the slower starts we've seen in the past. How did you see the start and what did you make of the Giants game? Yeah, they came out tough, actually. I felt at quarter time we had done very well, but they were going in really hard. Love the way Nick Knack started the game. He's the, the competition's premier tap ruckman, and he was basically tapping it to himself a lot again. Brilliant to see. And I think Simo summed it up well in the first 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 part of the game. Nick Knack got us into the game and got us into a great lead, and then um, McGovern came in afterwards and he, he protected and kept us a, protected the lead and kept us a, in the game very nicely. Um, look, there was a good sense of excitement. Love the fact that um, Exxon was giving a game. Um, and whenever you've got a debutante at the game, there's that extra buzz, the extra excitement. It's wonderful. But no, the guys went pretty well um, in the first first half of the game. Um, I was at the Collingwood game as well. We were pretty slow in the first quarter um, and then came home really, really well. I was at the Carlton game and we did the opposite. So, you know, I'll just take the win and be happy. Yeah, there was a, a sense of that, take the win and be happy, because obviously the foot did come off the pedal a little bit towards the end, KK, but the Eagles did the business early. They held down home ground advantage, which is after the start to the season the Eagles had, it was absolutely what we needed to do. All in all, KK, we leave Perth in fantastic shape, and a lot of that is due to a very tough, gritty performance against the Giants. What was your assessment of the day? It was, it was a good win. We didn't play that well in patches. Um, the midfield was was pretty down across the board. Kennedy didn't have one of his um, best games compared to his recent form, but we still got the win and we did it pretty comfortably, even though we, we took our foot off the pedal in the last quarter and I'm sure there was a lot of looking ahead to the Richmond game and wanting to keep some petrol in the tank. And if we wind the clock back a few months when we were one and three and given the the timeline for exiting the hub and then the home games, we said we've just got to get out of the hub at three and three win all our home games and then put ourselves in a position and then we've done that. So now we just uh, got to go on with it. Now, Asterix, it would be remiss of us to get you on the pod and not talk about the youth and some of the young guys that were given a chance or given a second chance in the game on the weekend. We spoke on the pod last week about Jared Brander, but from a guy that probably had his best game for the Eagles last week, he's done it again this week. Definitely his most comfortable out there from my perspective a very high pick in a draft a few years ago. You've obviously followed his career very closely as well. What did you make of Jared Brander's game yesterday? Yeah, you're right. It's two games in a row he's actually had his breakout games. He, he, he was even better this week. Two things that I'm liking that he's written, well, three things. He is showing his endurance running, um, but that was probably a given. But he's offering us some great leads on the wing and the high half forward, and he's starting to clunk the marks, which is good. The second thing I really like is when he gets the ball and he's looking inside 50, he he thinks like a forward. And one of the commentators, I watched the game after I came home last night, and he said, uh, ran a kick to where Kennedy hadn't even started to lead to. And so that was good knowledge, but he thinks like a forward, which I think is fantastic. So Brander did very, very well. And, and while we're on it, let's go on to Exxon. And, yeah, this is the first time I think we've had a polished inside-outside midfielder. Um, for some time of, that we've, we've picked. I was a bit critical and thought we'd reached a bit when we got him, but, you know, if I had have changed his position with Bailey Williams, I would have been very happy with what we did, so no qualms there. And, and Exxon, he's just reading the ball. And in comparison to Port Ainsworth, whose confidence is so low at the moment, 
Exxon knew where to be and he was impacting the game and he started to show his skills, not only on the outside. He, uh, he first started on the outside on the wing. Um, then, he, then he spent some time high half forward or the smaller forward. And then he went after some time into the middle and was a bit of the inside work. So he looks like he's got AFL qualities that uh, I certainly saw the back end of last year in the waffle. So great to, great to see that at the AFL level. So out of those two young guys, very, very happy. Plenty to be happy there uh, about there for Eagles fans. KK, even more to be happy about with the Eagles fans, the back line. They've been our rock this year. They've been driving most of everything we've done. And another terrific game from the back line, McGovern's best game of the year. Barras looked really comfortable with Gov alongside him. Rotham, 11 marks, most of any player in football this week. McGovern, 10 marks, all intercept marks, the second most of any player this week in terms of just pure marking stats. So the back line are clunking everything. Shep's still quietly going about his business. Nelson moved up onto the ball a bit. So did Duggan, so did Cole. KK, this is turning into our core unit. You looked at the midfield coming into the season. Everyone got excited. Time to get very excited about this back line. You do, and you've got to look at the future as well. That if um, all those guys you mentioned, even Coven Shep aren't too old, and all the rest have got years of um, good footy ahead of them. So they're, they're, they're really gelling well together. I, I was a bit sad when Jeddah got dropped. He's one of my favourite players, but I can't make an argument against that at the moment. And um, he probably will get a chance as we, we might see some rotations through the remaining rounds. But the guys that have come in are absolutely performing. They're, they're working well as a team and different, they say different guys push up to the wing and other guys cover them and just the whole unit is functioning really fantastic. Well, I'm, I'm happy for Rotham as well. He, he's had to wait a long time um, to get his chance and he's had his chances in fits and starts, like one game in to replace a suspension or an injury and then back out. And he's always he's always done his job. So um, hopefully he can get a, a decent run in the team and might end up costing Shannon Hearn his, his 300 games. But as a true club, then I'm sure you wouldn't mind that. Now, guys, we've been discussing how great the start was and, and there was plenty to like in the middle as well. The end did leave a lot to be desired because the Eagles managed to pull away quite convincingly. They were up, I think, 61 to 30 was the highest point late in the game. But Asterix, we saw the foot come off the pedal in a real way. The Giants got back into it. They were right on the verge of actually really making it nervous. The Eagles did enough to keep them at arm's length, but certainly a bit of a percentage hit. Do we read a lot into that? Is that something that we're actually concerned about long-term? Or is the alternate theory that perhaps one eye on the future, one eye on this new Queensland hub, were they just sort of tuning themselves up and and hoping to just run the game out? I think you're underestimating how sore some of those boys were, a couple. Um, there was, if I take that last quarter, we did very well, got the ball down to right at the full forward line to Oscar Allen. He was knackered and he got pushed off so gently off his, off it. And they had, they, they rebounded the ball so quickly. So that was, a, that was a time. I think if you, there were two or three of those incidences, I think if they had gone the other way, we would have probably been broken even and been very happy in the last quarter. Um, Jackson Nelson, I mean, he was, he was damn sore. I mean, Bozzo's calling him the choir boy, but he got the stuffing knocked out of him, and even no one in Melbourne is blaming Cardinal Pearl for it. So <laughs> the old choir boy Jackson, he was struggling. And so don't be surprised if one or both of those are out. You don't see it on the TV, but when you see them in the game, they were pretty sore, and that was a pretty soft turnover that Oscar didn't even compete for that. It was a simple little nudge, and he was is 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 whatever his 
glutes or his groin or whatever, I expect him out. So don't read too much into it. I think they've done enough. Shuey was pretty sore as well. And um, they were tagging. They, they came out and they were, they were handing out their, a fair bit of punishment. Um, Cameron had obviously spent the last 10 days absolutely roasting them for such a piss-poor performance against Sydney. Yeah, plenty of sore guys in the last as well. Barras looked absolutely gassed at one stage. Uh, I believe it was Jeremy Cameron took a mark on pretty much centre-half back and you, you saw the time it took him to get forward versus Barras getting forward. Barras just jogging his way through it. So he looked stuffed. Shuey, as you touched on, looked quite sore. Uh, he's, his time on ground in the last few weeks since coming back from the injury, certainly one to watch. You could say it's monitoring him. You could say it's looking after the injury. But also, we were quite undermanned in the midfield, and Shuey still played a relatively low time on ground for him. KK, just before we move away from the Giants game, while we're talking about time on ground, let's talk about Nick Natanui because this is a bloke that's always been, not criticised, I suppose, but it's, it's always been a query, a question mark over the top of him was just how long he could stay fit and on the ground for. The last couple of weeks, 72%, 73%, 70%, and then now this week for Nick Natanui, he has had 78% time on ground. I acknowledge they're shorter quarters, but he hasn't played that higher percentage time on ground in genuinely years since 2015. So... KK, is Nick Nat building? Is, we, we thought the shorter format would help him, but is this something he can sustain or does Nick Nat need a rest after these long stretches of footy? I think he might get a rest at some point in time. I, I think he even looks actually slimmer when I've watched him on the TV in the last few weeks. Um, and that's, that's been saying people have been calling for for a long time um, to drop the weight, ease the load on his body, increase his endurance. And it looks like to the naked eye that he's, he's done that. Yeah, we thought the short quarters would help him. Um, and he, he's absolutely... Taking full advantage of that, his, his first half was fantastic. It was really the, the Nat Newby show in the first half and the Gov show in the second half. And we'll, we'll need him um, fit and firing if we're going to go deep into the season. But I think there, there would be opportunities to to rest him in the, the coming weeks. Maybe the Essendon game might be a good one. Um, and I can see what we might do with our rucks. Maybe, say, Hickey comes in for Nat Newby one week and then next week it's Allen goes out if he doesn't have a rest this week and Williams comes in, we'll kind of switch those around. But there's opportunities to do that, but not this week because we need our best 22 against Richmond. On to some news now and a major piece of news breaking today in favour of the West Coast Eagles. It has been confirmed that finals will be able to be held at Optus Stadium. So the Eagles can have home finals, you know, your, your qualifying finals, your semis, your prelims, all of that provided the government ticket off. Now, I am hoping, fingers crossed, that there is no obstacles in, in that sort of sphere, that there's no government pushback whatsoever, because Asterix, the Eagles are undefeated in WA this year. They have every chance to finish top four if they earn it. It's right there for the taking if they want it badly enough. And now we have seen that the AFL have ticked off. Yes, come September, well, <laughs> come October, I suppose, you are able to play at Optus Stadium. How big of a boost is this to the Eagles' campaign in 2020? I don't know. Did you go to the Melbourne final? That was a big, big boost. Um, the crowd do it. If we can get 60,000, uh, I don't know what stage we'll be there with the finals. Maybe it's only 30,000, but the stadium still sounds pretty loud with 30,000. Um, I was actually surprised the noise that um, Carlton had when we played Carlton, the Eastern end actually sounded quite loud, and I was thinking, oh, that's, that's, that's unacceptable. Um, but it is a huge advantage at Optus. 
and we've learnt to play the oval very well and the crowd are a significant factor. Um, so, yeah, and whoever comes across from Queensland are going to be in the same position as us as having to travel. There's no disadvantage or advantage, so I think that plays into our, into our hands. And KK, while we're on the topic, Asterix there mentioned that the crowd is able to give the boys a lift. It's something we actually saw on the weekend. There were a few times as GWS was slowly chipping away in the fourth, the crowd does really lift and, and give the boys a bit. It, it might have even got us over the line in that Cats game. So while we're talking about Optus, the Eagles also trying to sneak another game in, come back to Optus for round 18 against North Melbourne. That was originally going to be in Tasmania. That's now no longer possible. They're pushing very hard, but even if they don't get that game, a return to Perth is on the cards. How big of a boost is this in your eyes? I think it'd be nice. Um, so we didn't go too well in the hub last time. Hopefully we'll be much better second time around. But even so, there's no place like home. I expect the, the AFL being lent on by the other premiership contenders won't let us have that home game against North Melbourne. But well done on the club for trying. And, I mean, really, we should beat them anywhere. And I think you might have made the comment on Twitter that we, we saw the AFLs trying to send us to Tasmania in the last round of the season for no reason at all, really. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know if they're going to have crowds down in Tassie or what it would be. It, it just seems to be done purely just to throw a spanner in our works late in the season. Yeah, call me a conspiracy theorist if you want. I'll take that. Yeah, very needless and certainly something that not any other club was going to have to face. So it was one of those ones where, you know, we talk about it in our Vic Bias episode, I believe. It's not it's not that in isolation, but it's that on top of everything else. You start to think, really? Again, we're the ones going to Tassie? But anyway, not happening. And quite crucially, it could indeed even happen in Perth. Guys, the other bit of news this week, and it does segue us into the Richmond game, which we'll get onto very shortly, but the Tom Lynch suspension or referral to the tribunal and not a suspension. Asterix, I think KK and I have sounded off on the various, I don't know, the, the humorous occasions that happen at the tribunal because you never really know what you're going to get. So the floor is yours for this one. I'll, I'll leave you with it. What did you make of their decision to refer Tom Lynch? What did you make of their decision to clear him? And how does it stack up to some of the other ones, Yo, McGovern, the instances that we've had to follow as Eagles fans? I thought it was silly to actually, you know, it was on AFL 360 and they said this should not have gone to the, the tribunal and they should have just thrown it out. No, I fully agree with it. It wasn't worthy of it. But the rhetoric coming out of Melbourne, it's a bit hypocritical when you compare the rhetoric coming out of Melbourne when Nick Nat really did deserve to go because he got such a small player and pushed him into the ground and he deserved the suspension. It's, it's a little bit, it just pisses me off out of Melbourne. They're so centric as to what's happening there and they, they just don't pick the issues into state very well. So, yeah, the right outcome for, for Lynch. And um, I don't really care because I think McGovern in the form he's in will, will pull his pants down. So welcome on board. So it's having a, uh, you know, someone who's really fast running around at centre-half forward trying to, trying to do a, a number on McGovern. Bring it on. Main event time for the week. It's round 14. It is Thursday, 5.10pm. The West Coast Eagles play Richmond at Metricon. I don't think it's overselling it to say that this is the game of the season. Certainly could be the most important game of the season when you look at the ladder permutations as well. Because, guys, if we win this one, we will be six points clear of Richmond. We will have a game in hand on them as well. And basically all it means is if we beat Richmond, we need to win two of our final four games and we are mathematically 
certain to finish above them on the ladder. Percentage not a factor, obviously, with Richmond having had a draw. Uh, The flip side to that, of course, is if Richmond were to win, the Eagles suddenly have to win all four remaining games to confirm that they finish above Richmond. Now, it's a tough one to pick. Asterix mentioned it before. There's plenty of sore guys out there as well. We're traveling on a short week. Richmond coming back from the Northern Territory, though. There's plenty at stake. There's plenty of sore bodies. KK, we will start by refreshing the team. And how do you tackle a challenge like this? The four-day break, the travel, and you're going into what could well be the most pivotal game of the season. Who comes in and who goes out as the Eagles face Richmond? We need to put our best available team into this. Um, the opportunities to rotate players and give them a rest will come afterwards. But say so the, the positives for winning this game are just, just too big to, to pass up. I'm hoping that the club's probably learned some lessons from how the other teams have gone in the hub, particularly um, Geelong seemed to manage the hub situation as best as anyone. Um, and one of the things that they really did was just focus on the games and recovery and kind of forget about the training stuff. That should benefit us because we're a pretty mature side. Our, our game plan and our structures are pretty well set that we should be able to get away, get through with minimal training and just focus on getting everyone physically ready for the games. Um, and I'm sure that was that was probably taken into account on the weekend that we tried to keep something reserved for, for Thursday. It helps that Richmond have come back from come back from Darwin as well. They've got uh, similar travel issues to us, um, a short break and some pretty awful conditions up there. So ins and outs, I think it'll be only if there's injuries um, either coming in or going out. So Redden sounds like he was probably only missed one game. So I think he would come in. O'Neill is last in, first out, is probably going to miss out. Gastrix was saying Nelson and Allen might be sore. I don't have a problem if Bailey Williams comes in for debut with Allen. I think that's a pretty even replacement. And Nelson, if Nelson's unavailable, then Jed is back up and, and, and available, then he can come in. So only injury changes, but I'm pretty happy with any of the recruitment um, replacements we have to have coming in. For myself on this one, I'm going to make one change not due to injury. I agree with Asterix's call there about Allen and Nelson. They probably will miss, and uh, it would be pretty impressive if they got up and were in good form when they got up as well. So Williams for Allen for me and uh, Redden for Nelson. The other one I will make, and this is presuming that Hutchings is ready to go, but let's say he is. Hutchings for Nick Reid. Reid's done decently well with the opportunity, but I think there is a bit of a ceiling on him there. Hutchings, we've seen in the past, can do a great job, and there's a couple of guys I think we could do a tagging job with uh, off the half-back line this week or even in the midfield as well. So I think Hutchings could give us more, maybe not so much forward craft, but a bit harder defensive running perhaps and uh, sort of a known proven tagger off the half-forward line and even through to the midfield. So for me, Williams, Redden, Hutchings, Allen, Reid and Nelson. Asterix, your changes. I see Allen as more than likely to be out, so Williams straight in. I actually think we get someone longer term within this hub that can do more knockout ruck knocks and be more effective in Bailey Williams, so he'd be protecting uh, Nat Nui. So I'd be quite happy in the hub to think that, great, we can maybe bring Nat Nui's time back to about 60 65% by playing Bailey Williams, just putting it out there. Uh, next point, Dermot Brereton made a comment in the broadcast that this is elite forward pressure that West Coast were putting on the GWS um, defence and GWS were only getting dirty ball out of the contested um, clearances from defence. So 
I think there's a lot, a lot of good things that are happening in the forward line. And Nick didn't, Nick Reed didn't do much, but he did put on a lot of pressure. So I did like that. Don't forget we were one half back flank long in our team selection, and that one of Nelson Cole or Duggan was seen to be likely candidates to play on the wing or on a half forward, or potentially midfield minutes. And so if we lose Nelson, I don't think we'll replace him. We'll keep the backline seven as we had them. Um, then potentially you've got Redden coming in. I'm keeping uh, Exxon in the team. And if anyone's coming out out of the forward line for Hutchings, it, to me it's Reed. I, I know I said he put on pressure and I think Hutchings can put on better pressure. And it's probably not a bad time. Uh, it's probably no, maybe delay a week before you bring Hutchings in and give him a run because he's going to be... It's going to be really short of um, match match pace and, and keeping up with the, the scheme of things. So to recap, Alan out for Williams. If Redden's available, then I'd be dropping Reed. Now we'll take a look at some of the matchups. There are some absolutely tantalising matchups in this one. We'll start with the midfield unit because Richmond's midfield has driven them for, for a couple of years now and obviously led by Dustin Martin, but they've got no shortage of sidekicks in there as well, happy to do some damage. If Redden can't play, the Eagles midfield a little bit shorthanded and probably had their worst performance of the last couple of months on the weekend. So plenty of work that needs doing there. The Eagles third in the league in clearances. Richmond actually aren't as good in the clearance numbers as you'd suspect, but one thing they do do is get out into space, roll the handball over the top and really get a lot of run. Uh, once, they, once there's a turnover or once they get the ball out in space, they run, they draw the man, and they really make it hard to tackle and pressure the ball carrier. The Eagles rank second last in the league for tackling. Richmond, of course, they are tackled the fewest of any team in football. So, KK, no Yo versus Martin, which is a matchup we've always enjoyed. The Eagles are going to have to move the magnets around and shuffle it around a bit. It's going to be tough to tackle them and pressure them physically. It's something we've seen the Eagles struggle with. It's something we've seen Richmond close down very well. So how does this midfield matchup go when uh, the Eagles possibly a little shorthanded coming in? Yeah, the clearance times are quite interesting, aren't they? The Richmond are, are dead last in clearances. And I think that if we are going to beat them in the midfield, we've got to make that that dominance of, of Nat Nui count, get first hands on the ball, get the ball away from stoppages and get our, our, our kick mark game going. That. As you said before, our style is their kryptonite and vice versa. Whichever team can get the game played in their style is going to go a long way to winning it. And for us, it's about um, keeping possession, keeping the ball off the ground, not allowing Richmond to to swarm, to pressure us into, into a chain of handballs that eventually lead to a turnover, and then they'll kill us going the other way. So for the midfield thing, it's, it's win the clearances and then just try and spread them out and make them run. Their, their game style is pretty taxing physically and for them coming off a short break and coming back from Darwin, we might be able to exploit that that later on by just <clears throat> just making them run. But for us, it, it's spreading, winning the ball at the coalface and getting the hell out of there, basically. Asterix, KK touched on it then and it's, it's well put because our game style is basically Richmond's kryptonite and vice versa. We really struggle with what they do well, but when we can deny them the ball, we've seen the Eagles have success against this Tigers game plan. Quick look at the weather report, a quick look at the forecast. This Thursday, 20% chance of rain in the Gold Coast area. So a dry game, it benefits the Eagles and it does sort of give us the edge, but there's still plenty of work to be done. How do you think that that game style contrast is going to play into it? And do you think the Eagles are going to be able to win enough footy to get into our action? We're going to welcome back Tim Kelly this, this Thursday night. Richmond don't tag. He's been heavily tagged the last month. 
and uh, he suffered and hasn't hasn't uh, got the number of possessions and the 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 amount of football we'd expect. I think that will work. I mean, part of me says, do we want Shannon Hearn because he's a good solid head down back, or if Nelson's available, do we drop Hearn and rest him just because he won't have the leg speed? Uh, he looks to me have slowed down a little bit more this uh, this last three months. Um, and when he's had a couple of quick ones on him, he, he can't keep up. So that's going to be a telling one. I actually think we'll be all right, given I think it's going to be dry. Um, it should be a cracking game. And I can't see the Eagles taking their foot off the accelerator on that one. And I can't see many players rested. So we'll have a look at one pivotal matchup, or rather one area of the ground that is going to be pivotal. KK, McGovern's coming off his best game of the year. Barras, possibly the same. They face Tom Lynch and Jack Rewalt. They've been a bit up and down this season, but they're starting to find some form, and Richmond of late are doing just enough to win when they need to. So certainly a dangerous duo there, but the Eagles have a few options to stop them. How do you see the key forward versus key back matchup going, and and what role do these other guys like Rotham, like Shep, have to play in slowing down the Tigers' elite forward line? Yeah, I mean, Richmond's forward line, they, they really benefit from uh, keeping the few guys back and pushing everyone else up the ground and then just getting those outnumbered, getting a lot of space in their forward line. For McGovern, I'm pretty happy with him matching up on Lynch or Rewalt. I think he's he's a great one-on-one defender. If he's exposed one-on-one, then I don't have a problem with that. Barras, I'm a little more concerned about if he gets caught on Lynch or Rewalt with a lot of space in front of them then he does have a tendency to get caught on the lead. So it's really going to be the key for probably one of Rotherham or Shepard will be the ones that will play closest to those two tall defenders and really being able to um, to assist whenever they can and not get sucked too high up the ground. And that's what Richmond want you to do. They want you to, to push up, turn the ball over, and then they'll just get that chain of forward handballs and, and kill you when you've got no defence around there. So in, in summary, I'm okay with the one-on-one matchups, but um, someone's going to have to sort of stay back close enough that they can get back and assist and and stop the turnovers. Ideally, we don't turn the ball over in, in the first place. And if we do, make sure we're not turning it over in the middle of the ground. If, if you play in Richmond, it's almost better if you're under pressure out in the wing just to hack the ball forward and towards the boundary line. If it goes out for a boundary throw in or even if you can see to deliberate out of bounds – it's going to be less painful than getting surrounded by them, turning the ball over, and they'll take it straight down the other end for a goal. Asterix, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit with this one, so apologies in advance for that, but Dylan82, a fantastic poster on the Eagles board. He's dropped a fantastic stat last night as well, just continuing that track record that he has for great content. Kane Lambert, let's have a look at his output for Richmond. When he has 15 or more touches this year, the Tigers are seven wins, one draw, no losses and their, their opponent is scoring about 40 points per game when Lambert touches it 15 or more times. Now, if he touches it fewer than that, 14 or less, the Tigers' record falls to one win and four losses, their opposition scoring 80 points per game in those games. It's large enough of a sample size that it can't be a coincidence. Lambert does a lot of great work linking up and, and pushing up the ground, getting that rolling handball game working. How do we go about stopping that matchup? Is that something you think the Eagles will put time into or is, are they just going to trust the team system and, and try and deny everybody equally? How do you think you go about slowing down a guy like Lambert? Yeah, well, I haven't been watching the, that many games with Richmond, um, so I don't know whether he's getting them on the inside clearances or he's getting them in the link-up play because they do a lot of finessing of the ball. 
um, around the halfback flank to the wings in the centre that I'd seen anyway. Well, a simple answer is Nick, Nick taps to Kelly and we bypass any of the Richmond midfielders, so what's your problem? Um, again, they, they, they're going to refuse to, to, to tag um, any, any eagle, and whether it's Kelly or it's Shuey, we've shown that when we're, we're, we've got the ability to have that freedom, Nick can actually deliver on the plate beautifully to them. And again, you look at the mummy was quite effective in the middle, and he got a number of clearance. He got a number of taps, but they didn't eventuate to a nice clean exit. And, and Nick's, I mean, probably half of them were to himself. Uh, so he had the double, double whack and got the ball to a half forward line, and did very nicely from the centre clearances. Um, but he is very effective once he gets that tap. It's much likely to be a cleaner one. So, yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm back in our midfield, even though we're missing Yo. Potentially we've got Redden back in there. That's, that's very good. And, and I actually didn't like the idea of Andrew Gaff playing the inside mid-roll very much. But in the last three or four games, he's been very credible playing that inside mid-roll. And um, I think we're OK. I wouldn't worry so much about our midfield um, not stacking up. I think even without Yo, we stack up well. All right, guys, it is time to make the call. What is going to happen this weekend? KK, I will start with you. There's a a good chance we see the Tigers hit us hard inside 50. They do go hard for the inside 50s, and the Eagles, of course, concede a few. We're very efficient inside 50, so we don't get as many ourselves. With that said, the back line could be in for a long, long day. Do you think they'll do enough to hold up? Can we keep Richmond at bay? And will the Eagles win a decisive ninth victory in a row? Uh, For all my positivity, I'm going to go with the head and think Richmond are going to win this game. I'm hopeful the fact that I generally know jack shit about anything, so that's a good, <laughs> good sign for us. I think Richmond by eight points. I think just in the clash of game styles, Queensland game at night, um, the conditions are just going to, and chance of rain, conditions are just going to favour their style more than us. And it's a bit of an arm wrestle, but I think we might end up coming off on the wrong side of it. Best player for us, McGovern was outstanding on the weekend and. I don't actually rate either Lynch or Revolt that highly myself, so I expect um, Gov to have a, a good game shutting down whoever who, whoever he's on, but yeah, I don't think it will ultimately be enough. Um, he just needs to avoid getting his jaw broken whenever Lynch decides to lash out at him, which he will at some point of the game. Sorry if I'm not more positive. I'll leave it to Asterix because I'm sure he's going to pick a stunning Eagles victory. Go on, Asterix. Make it count. Okay, so Razor raise the umpire. He, like the most of Australia, think that Bolt is a complete wanker <laughs> and he's going to actually be awarding a number of free kicks to Josh Kennedy, which is going to blow the confidence of Richmond. Um, as I said, Richmond don't tag. Nat Nui to Kelly, West Coast by 11 points. I love that. That's super positive. That's positive. I love to hear it. I'm almost embarrassed because now I'm going to bring the tone right down. I actually agree with KK on this one. The conditions, I think obviously the Eagles struggle in the conditions. Conditions playing a bit of a factor if it's slick. The Eagles, I think, will be better served this time around in the hub. I just don't know that travelling on the four-day break and this first game up against a very decent Tigers side, it, it, uh, it might not be the day to show off their newfound confidence in the hub. So for me, unfortunately, I'm going to pick Richmond to win. I'm going to pick them by 28 points because we've seen the Eagles have a tendency to let go of the rope once the, once the game is sort of done. We, we've seen that you know, those, those blowouts 
early in the season can happen. You're within a kick or two, and then suddenly you're down four goals. So uh, I'm a bit pessimistic. I hope like hell I'm wrong because I really don't want to be calling a loss. I don't have anything prepared for that. But for me, Richmond do win. I think Brad Shepard is going to have a great game. He has a lot of work to do. He's an absolute star. He's starting to get all Australian buzz. And like I said, look, the Tigers inundate you with inside 50, so it could be an absolute spree of intercept marks for Brad Shepard. I hope I'm right about that. I hope, I hope I'm wrong about the result, but uh, definitely one of the most pivotal games of the season, guys. So West Coast versus Richmond. We'll see what happens. Asterix, I'm praying you're right, mate. Oh, you can take that to the bank. That will do it from us this week, guys. Asterix, a fantastic return to the show. You've given us some insight, and most importantly, you've given us some positivity. Thanks for your time. Thank you, and get your head up. Head up and uh, go into this tub. It's, it's all attitude, guys. And if you're going to be on this this podcast with that piss poor attitude, <laughs> what can you expect the players to be doing? I put it to you to lift your efforts, come back with another answer. KK, thanks very much. Well, no, get stuffed with your negativity and get stuffed to me as well with my negativity. Asterix, very infectious. KK, very insightful. Thanks very much for your time as well, mate. Uh, no worries. Um, it's a fair call from Asterix, really. I mean, this is the time of the season we've got a condensed fiction if we need to rotate some players out. If It's been a long season of podcasting and maybe we just need a break, get some fresh blood in. I love it. Rotate it. A few debuts, a few season debuts. The Eagles are doing second chances. Maybe it's time for the pod to do some second chances as well. Fire up, campaigners. Let's get this one going. Guys, thanks very much for your time. Thanks very much to everybody listening. As I said up top, if you are interested in that Eagles-Tigers commentary, we will be doing it. You can listen live. Just mute your TV and listen to these dulcet tones instead. We'll be very pro-Eagles. We'll have a few rants. We might blame the umpires a few times as well. So just, yeah, mute your telly, follow the link, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, Big Footy, all of that to get that link, and we will uh, we'll make sure that it's very prominent on Thursday as well. You won't be able to miss it. Honey Badger? Don't forget, we win this game, we're in second position. With home finals, mate. There you go. We're already engraving it. One hand on the cup. Don't worry about it. Yeah, guys, we will talk to you on Thursday. We'll also talk to you later on in the week for a recap pod. We'll preview the following game. They're going to be coming thick and fast now over the next little stretch. But until next time... All the best to the Eagles this week. A massive victory, a massive game. It's imminent. We're going to recap a resounding victory next time. We'll talk to you then, guys. Bye for now. Bye for now. Bye.